Bokar Tov. We're continuing Shemuel. Uh, we're continuing Shemuel Bet, and we are in the story of, still in the story of David and Bathsheba, in the Natan Hanavi's response to David, and his rebuke of David, as, as we saw, he says, ah, oh, you're like the, the rich man who takes from the poor man, because he doesn't want to spend of his own, you had so many wives, and this is one man, and his one sheep, his one wife, and... You took him, and the says, Ah, oh, this guy is a Ben Mavit. And Natan says, Ataha'ish, you are the man. And then he rebukes him, saying, I've given you so much. I gave you the whole uh, estate of Shaul, and I've given you uh, all the wives of Shaul, and the women of Shaul, not the wives, but the women of Shaul. And, and you still did this, and because of this, and you took uh, uh, Uriah, his wife, for yourself, there will, a sword will not depart from your house. Forever okay? Meaning for the rest of David's life He's going to have uh, There's going to be impending death Or there's going to be death in his family Which is something for the rest of the book We're going to see how that actually takes place Because a lot of people in David's family die Or slash get raped Or rebel or, or bad things happen within David's family Going forward And we're going to see that David is going to see this as a punishment For what he did with, with Bathsheba David at this point This is like This is like where things start to deteriorate relatively, David's overall, David was able to maintain his kingdom at the end of the day. But this is where things are going to start to deteriorate for him. Okay, so now we continue in Pasuk Yud Aleph in chapter 12. And this is Natan still speaking in the name of God. So says God, I'm going to bring upon you evil from within your house. And I'm going to take your wives before your eyes. And I'm going to give it some, to someone, give them to someone who is very close to you. And this man who is close to you is going to be with your wives in front of the sun. This sun. And Natan points to the sun. He says, in front of that sun. When did this happen? When were the wives of David taken by a close family member of his in public? And when and when did someone when was someone with them publicly? That was in the rebellion of Avshalom. We're going to see that later in the book. One of the things Avshalom does in order to show the people of Jerusalem that he has become the dominant member of the Davidic line is by taking the concubines of David and being with them. Oh, I remember he like lay with them. In no, but he he made it public that he was with oh, them. Oh, that he took them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because you, what you did was in private What you did taking uh, Uriah's wife was in private But I'm going to do this whole thing Before all of Israel And in front of the sun So what's interesting is David His sin, he tries to keep it discreet But ultimately his punishment Is for his shame To come about publicly I have a hunch that there's a lesson in that. That there is a discrepancy, there is a difference between sins that occur in the public sphere and sins that occur in private, right? Typically, according to Jewish law, if I do something in private and there are no witnesses, then it's between me and Hashem, right? Yeah. My punishment, the, the human courts can't put me to death, or punish me with malkut if there were no witnesses to my act. Which means that if in Judaism, if something is done in public, in front of two people, and there are witnesses to it, then it is upon the community, the people, to punish and to rid the evil from the midst of the people. 
right? But when something is done in private, to the extent that there aren't even two witnesses there, then it's a private sin and the man has to deal with Borei Olam after, after one time, okay? The only, there is a caveat though, and that is that there's a certain extent to which your private sins, at, at some point they're going to manifest themselves in the public realm, you know? Especially sexual sins. And we see it a lot with politicians, where at some point, if a person is involved in too much private things that are inappropriate, at some point it's going to, it's going to affect his public life. And I think one of the lessons that David is learning here is that, is that the quality and the, and the cleanliness of your private life is going to affect ultimately how people perceive you in public. You know, you will only be granted true respect and you'll only be recognized truly as good if your private life is also good. It's as if there, there's, something, there's something that people could realize, can, can sense with a person who has a dark private life. That, that it doesn't allow them to, to gain that level of respect publicly. Or rarely it does if the person is a very good actor. But I'm saying, I think one of the lessons here is that there's only a certain amount to which we could we could keep our private sins and our private sinfulness out of out of the public sphere. Yeah. At some point, it's going to it's going yeah. to have an effect. Okay. David's punishment. Now, why would David be punished by making his private sin public? Here's an idea that I'm just thinking of now. Why would that be his punishment? Not only to teach him this lesson. That I'm thinking of right now That the private sins will, will affect the public sphere But also because David is a public figure And what David did To get Bathsheba Which was a private desire Was He used His public figure, his public figure powers mm. So if you're going to go ahead And use the powers that are invested in you By the people And by Hashem That they give you power over them And you use it for your own personal gain and personal sexual desires Then your punishment is going to be That the people who gave you the, that power that you abused Will now see your downfall and your disgrace I think that would be like the, the essence of what The punishment of David Something like that If you want to call it that No, Yeah, I don't know if it's midah connected to that But, it, but it, it's a fitting if you, if you abuse the powers that are invested in you by the public Then okay, then your sins are going to be made public Okay, pass a good gimel David said to Natan Hanavi, I've sinned to God. And this is the most unique line in Shemuel Bet relative to what we saw in Shemuel Aleph. Because if there's one thing that Shaul never did was get rebuked immediately and then immediately say, You're right, I was wrong. I sinned. Didn't Shaul say once That was whenever David almost killed him. And then, and then Shaul, whenever Shaul realized that David is standing over him, and David literally just spared his life, and David has the power to put him to death, he says, "Oh, my love, my David, my my David, my love, I sinned before you, something like that." But all of the times that Shaul messed up, and he was rebuked by the Navi specifically, he never he never admitted. He always saw the Navi as like a nuisance. Okay, so David says, "Khatati David, and you know what? Nathan immediately says, and by the way, because you said that, because immediately you turned around and said, I have sinned, Hashem has forgiven your sin to a certain extent and you will not die. Meaning there will still be things that befall your house, but you're not going to die. 
you're spared because you admitted and you and you showed contrition. Okay. But however, although you're not gonna die, because you disgusted God with this, also the son that's going to be born to you from Bathsheba, because remember she said she was pregnant, that son is going to die. So Nathan went home. Nathan goes back to his house. Why is that relevant? Because it was a sign of respect to the king to remain there with the king. If the Navi goes back home, it says, ah, I'm done with you. I'm out. That's why when, when Shemuel came and rebuked Shaul for not wiping out Amalek, he, or was it whenever he didn't bring the Qurban? One of those things. Shaul asked him, can you please at least come with me to the people and, and show that you're with me, right? When the, when the Navi goes home and he says, I don't want to see the king anymore, it's, a, it's kind of like, okay, I'm done with the king. I have no interest in being here anymore. So Nathan goes back to his house and God strikes the child that was born to Bathsheba, uh, the wife of Uriah, it says specifically. And he became very, very, very sick. Vayanash means and he became very, very sick. Chala holy kaved, says the Radak. Pasuk tetzayin. So David began praying for the child who's now sick. And he did a fast and he came and he sat on the floor. And the elders of his house's cabinet, they came to him to get him up from the ground. And he did not want to get up and he did not even eat any bread with them. He did not do anything with them. So David goes into mourning and tefillah for this child. So that the child could maybe get better from his sickness. And it was on the seventh day. This child, this first child dies. Seventh day after he was born? After he was born, yeah. So he didn't have a Probably not, no. And the servants of David were scared to tell him that the child had died. Because they, they said, When the child was alive... We want to get him off the floor And he wouldn't He refused And how are we going to say That the child is dead He's going to do something bad I don't know He's going to hurt himself So David saw That his servants were hesitant Or that they were uh, That they were How does it translate They were whispering That they were whispering to one another why even David he met Ayalid? And David understood that they were whispering about the fact that the child had died. Why Yom David Labadav Hamet Ayalid? So David asked his servants, "Is the child dead?" Why Miru Met? He said, "Yes, he's dead." That's why they didn't name him because of. Oh, maybe that's why. It's a good point. You didn't have a Brit Milah, so they didn't name him either. Is that? But when did the Minhag of naming the Brit Milah occur? I don't know if it's. Um, that Minhag. That's the. I don't know if it's the Dean Minhag. I don't have to look into it. I have no idea. It seems very deliberate. He died on the seventh day. Before, before he was able to enter into the covenant or something. Maybe that, maybe that was uh, a sign of mercy from Hashem. Meaning he took him away from David before he... Radak is actually going to say something a little bit similar. He's going to say that um, the avelut is less intense when you don't get to know the child. As much, 
mm. before they develop any any mind or any ability to communicate meaning, with you. Meaning emotional ability? Yeah, the emo- no, no, emotional difficulties less. Uh-huh. There's also difference yeah, in halakha sure. also. If, if the, for sure your emotional difficulties less. Yeah. Spend, spend tens of years with your child. Yeah, no. He passes away, God forbid, or the child passes away right when he's born. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, exactly. Why Hashem should let all the children that are born be healthy, but Hashem should see no difficulty with any of these childbirths. Pazukaf. Why Akom David Mehaaretz? So David gets up from the ground. By Irchatz, and he washed up. By Yasech, and he anointed himself. By Chalef Simlotav, and he switched his clothes. By Yavol Bet Adonai Veishtachu, he came to the house of God and he bowed. By Yavol El Beto, he came back home. By Shal. And he asked for food, and they put him for bread, and he ate. Interesting. Why is this interesting? Okay. He, did, he didn't go into Abilut. He didn't go into Abilut. When the child was alive, he was doing Abilut and praying and mourning and this and that. When the child died, technically, Allah should be starting his Abilut. He washed his clothes, he changed his clothes, he same, ate food. So there are two. There are two things, right? There is the halakhic thing that before thirty days, the, the child is not considered shulkayama. So there is the the, din, the dinim of avilut don't yet apply. There is a separate. The radak says that he did all of this before the shiva started. The shiva starts once you bury. So from the time that you're onen, none of these dinim apply. The only din that applies when you're onen is that you're not allowed to do mitzvot. Because you're in the process of doing the mitzvah of burying the, 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 the deceased, right? And because you're also a mitzvah, you're patur from all mitzvot. But in terms of avelud, none of the dinim apply, at least according to one opinion. I think according to Ramban, it does apply, okay? So one opinion says that this was during his uh, aninut period, where he, uh, where he was doing all these things that were not avelud, okay? So, so putting aside the halakhic discussion, it's very interesting what David is doing. Why is he... He's only crying when the child was alive, but then in after order, the child is over- dead, he's not upset anymore. Yeah, he's going back to normal. In order to overturn the dean of him. All right, exactly. Not. So servant said to him, What is this thing that you're doing? When the child was, for the child you, uh, that was alive, you mourned and you, and you cried. But when the child died, you got up and you ate bread. So he answered, When the child was alive, I was, I was fasting and, and crying. But I said, who knows? Maybe Hashem will give me the benefit and will show me grace and the child will live. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? You think I could return him? And can I bring him back from the dead? I'm going to go to him. I'm going to die eventually, wow. but he's not coming back to me. Okay, so I want to pause there. I want to pause there because that is a crazy, that, that, those are some of the craziest lines I've, I've read in the entire Tanakh. Yeah. Like, the, you see so much of David's ideology in these few lines. First of all, David was told by Nathan that this child is going to die. But what does David do? He prays to Hashem other, anyways. And the child was already deathly ill, right? Maybe God will show me grace and the child will live. Which means that, at least in David's ideology, as long as, first of all, decrees from Hashem, you can always overturn. 
if you pray and you do shuvah, you could always overturn decrees from Hashem. On top of that, when someone is, is ill, until the last moment, there is hope. You pray. You pray as hard as you can. So that's a beautiful thing on one hand. On the flip side is David's response to his pain. When the death occurs and David, when the pain really starts to hit because it becomes a reality, what does David do? He accepts and he goes, he prays in the Beit HaMikdash. It said he goes to the Beit HaMikdash, when he bowed down. Meaning when the, the bad thing befalls him, he stops praying, he stops complaining, he stops mourning. He goes and he thanks Hashem because you have to thank Hashem for the bad the same way you thank Him for the good. So on the one end, you see David's his, his idea of tefillah, his, his belief in tefillah. On the other end, you see his ability to accept the difficulty from Hashem as the will of God and to thank and to bless God for it. Okay? And then, what else do we see here? Also, we see the, the fact that he acknowledges that when the child is dead, he can't bring him back. But the, the final line that he says, I'm going to him. He's not coming back to me. Which is another fascinating thing because we, we don't even know in, in David's mentality or in his ideology, you could say that he probably believed that the souls will be re- reunited in the next world. Which is a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm going to cry thinking about it. But, but we don't know what's going to happen in the, ne- in the next world. Who knows, right? But... At, at least David had this belief that he may get reunited in the next world. Now, it's, it's just, just a figure of speech. I'm going to him, but he's not coming back to me, meaning I'm going to die and be in the grave like him. Or does David actually mean that our souls will be reunited? I don't know. But just David's language here is fascinating. It's, it's an insight into the ideology of David, a clear insight into some, some hashkafic ideas of David Amelech that you won't get anywhere else. You only get here. And I'm going to him, but he's not going back to me. Does that mean that we're going to be reunited with our beloved? As well as Hashem. Who knows? Okay, Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen, amen.